from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, Time Crunched fans. Today is another Q&A episode where I answer questions directly from you, our listeners. Today is one that is actually really interesting to me. Heat acclimation is a topic that I've been learning about for several years now and deploying it differently to my athletes in, in kind of like different methods, depending on what they need, when and where, uh, as they go and compete in hot and or humid environments. It's only fitting that we cover this topic now as most of North America is starting to heat up over here where I'm talking and we're heading into a hot summer month. Um, several months actually. So, um, uh, as a reminder to our listeners, um, and, and anyone new to our show, our Q and a format is one, which you, the listener can submit any question related to training, nutrition, racing, physiology, sports psychology, you know, anything in the endurance athlete realm of things and go ahead and submit it. And we'll answer it on this podcast. So simply go to trainright.com backslash podcast. And there's a button there that says, ask a training question, click on it, fill it out, send it over. And those questions get, uh, get sent directly to me and I answer them here. So now let's go into the question today. Okay. This, this is coming from Ken and, and Ken asks, uh, I'm going to be racing in Augusta, Georgia in August. And it'll be hot and humid. I live in New England, which has its fair share of heat and humidity, but not like Augusta. Very true. Uh, what do I need to do in, in the next six months to develop a higher heat tolerance? All right, Ken. So good news is, and you actually asked this, I think like a month ago or something like that. I saw it come in and I was like, I'm, I'm going to wait until we hit the summer months. The good news is, Ken, is you don't need to be doing stuff uh, specifically for heat acclimation uh, for, for six months leading up to it. There's some specific protocols that we'll go over today that you can deploy over a week or two to get you really specifically ready for Augusta. And it is, it's pretty unbearable down there that time of year. So, um, so I think the, these strategies will help you out. However, the stuff that you should be doing, you know, last month and, and the, you know, over the next uh, handful of months is to get as fit as possible. Okay. So all these heat acclimation protocols and kind of techniques that I'll go over today doesn't really matter if you haven't done a really good job in training to be as fit as possible and as fresh as possible showing up to your main event down there. And I'm guessing that you're probably racing, um, masters nats down there and I'll have some athletes going down there too. And we'll, uh, deploy a lot of the same stuff that I talk about on the show today. So, uh, that's kind of the direct response to you, Ken. You know, the other thing for all of our listeners out there, and I'll just kind of like go broad in general. Um, there's a lot of things to consider 
when you're trying to decide when and how best to do heat acclimation protocols. Um, it, it's really like, when is your competition, right? And you'll be, you, you know, you talked about it, your, your race can be in, in August. So we'll just kind of use that as the example as we're going here. Uh, what tools and resources do you have at your disposal? So do you have, you know, things like sauna, we'll talk about some hot baths, some steam baths. Um, do you have heat, uh, you know, outside? To, to go um, expose yourself to, ride in, that kind of stuff. And also men and women respond differently. We'll talk more about those specifics um, here in a minute. Finally, how it weaves into your performance training. And that's probably the most applicable thing for all of our listeners to really tune into and, and to get right when you're doing some of this heat training stuff. Now, there's many benefits to heat acclimation, and it, it includes increased plasma volume expansion. And that I was described as the liquidy part of your blood. Uh, uh, I used to be a chemistry major and we, we played around with different stuff and, and, uh, <laughs> we, we would, uh, we even did some blood draws and you, you spin it down in the centrifuge and, 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 uh, maybe if you had some blood draws before too, but the, the red stuff goes in the bottom, the clear stuff goes on top. That clear stuff is a plasma volume. And that helps to thin the blood. It's the, it's the primary component of the hydration of the blood. The more of the plasma that you have, the easier your blood can circulate around. Meanwhile, it's going to pull from that plasma to help cool your system. And so it's kind of like the air conditioning, <laughs> air conditioning, um, coolant part of the blood. And that's, that's the expanding that's going to really help cool yourself. Now, the other, some other benefits of heat acclimation is you get decreased RPE or rate of perceived effort in the heat at all intensities. So from just chilling out to going really hard, your perceived effort will go down. Um, you'll also have decreased core temperature in the heat. Okay. Because you're used to it. And we'll get into why that matters here soon. Also, you'll, you'll start to sweat sooner rather than later. And that actually helps to cool, kind of preventatively cool yourself and, and to not let that core temperature go up. So all these like benefits are also uh, connected to themselves. Perceived effort, for example, goes down because you start to cool sooner. Your core temperature doesn't increase as much. You've got more plasma volume to use for that cooling effect. So again, all these things play off each other. Now, again, uh, uh, for Ken's example, we're just going to use like uh, Augusta in August as kind of a primary example. Um, but where he's going to be racing will likely be 90 to hundred degree temperatures with 90 probably plus humidity. And, you know, any athlete can really underperform in that scenario if they're, you know, going to race and do max efforts, right. And they're not acclimated to the heat. Simple reason is just that, you know, we have to remind ourselves that heat is a stress to the system. And very simplistically, just like hard intensity or long durations, if you're not used to those specific stresses and you go and do them, it will erode your performance. So there's some of that specificity that needs to occur for these stressors that are coming your way to help handle them better. Now, let's look at all those components that I talked about to get the benefits that I covered. There's two ways that I really look at how we can induce uh heat training or get the the heat acclimation uh properties that we really want and there's active heat training and passive heat training active just means that we're doing our sport while in the heat it's 
really all it means doing some training out there and getting that heat stress while we're say moving and exercising passive heat training is when we're just uh, sitting, hanging out, that kind of stuff and exposing ourselves to probably higher heat, um, to get the stressor on the system and then the body responds. So let's first talk about active heat training. So riding in the heat of the day and, or wearing extra clothes, say if you live in a cold environment, right? That's, I, I wouldn't wear extra clothes and ride in the heat in the day, by, by the way. Um, but that's going to induce heat stress. So if you live in some of these hot environments, uh, I'm in Washington DC right now and it's cranking up pretty good. If you live in the South of the United States, um, or even some, you know, uh, high desert environments, it, it'll start to be cranking up. So if you're used to riding in the morning, what you can do is just shift that ride time and hit some peak heat hours of training. That's as simple as that. And it's a very practical way of doing it. However, it has some limitations. Okay. So when you're doing this again, think about heat as a stressor, you're adding in quite a bit of stress from the heat itself. So you'll need to take down some of the training stress, i.e. the intensity. In other words, <laughs> during this heat, acclimation time period, you want to decrease intensity, make it just zone two aerobic training and go out and ride in the heat of the day. Okay. So you'll have to sacrifice some quality training days to do this. Um, this may take a little longer to achieve and I'll talk about why that is here in a second. And it may cost you a little bit more fatigue than you want relative to some of the passive heat training protocols that we talk about. The reason I say that is when you go out and you do your heat training, you're, you're, you're active, you're, you're sweating a lot more, you're utilizing glycogen, all this kind of stuff. So doing heat training, training, um, is going to induce more fatigue than sitting in a sauna, for example, that we'll talk about. Um, but really the, I, I like the practical aspect of this. I have my athletes, I do this myself. Um, in my opinion, you know, that specificity of you're going to have to, you know, go ride and train and race in the heat and we better do it in training at some point. So I'm always weaving in some component of active heat training with my athletes. If we're going to go compete in Augusta or, uh, things like Costa Rica and, and some of these hot human environments. Okay. So my recommendation is if you live in these areas where they are starting to heat up and you want to start a heat acclimation protocol, start initially, especially if you're sensitive to heat. And that's, you know, another really good, um, <laughs> uh, good example here to be like, Hey, don't overdo this. I would, I would for sure start with a 30 to 60 minute ride. Okay. Um, just go out, ride in the heat, tune into your body, see what it's telling you. Don't overdo it. Okay. Cause you can overdo this. Um, heat stress is a goofy one. Okay. If you have any history of, uh, not doing well in the heat, I would definitely talk to your doctor before you do some of this stuff. I'd ride with a friend or a training partner to make sure that if anything goes wrong, um, you got some, you got some outs. Okay. But if you live in these areas where they're starting to heat up, start simply with that 30 to 60 minute ride initially, keep it to zone two endurance and just ride, build up to 90 minute sessions in the heat. And do this six to 10 days in a row to get fully heat acclimated. What you're looking for is your body to have a higher perceived effort for the given zone two intensity. You're looking for sweat to really beat up. Some people may, may see like that extra salt on their jerseys and that kind of stuff. Um, once you get through that like 10 day, and I'd, I'd encourage probably a lot of people to go that full 10 days. Um, 
women can be a little different. I'll talk about that here in a second, but try, try to get through the, those 10 days. Okay. Then what you can do is take a few days easy and finally come back into your high quality training periods. So really, you know, what we're looking at is a week or more of aerobic zone two training in the heat, just riding, not adding in a ton of intensity, but looking for that heat to give the stress to the system to get those benefits that we're talking about. So if we've got seven to 10 days there, then we need probably two or three. And depending on who you read and who you're listening to, that could be longer too. Uh, every athlete is individual. Okay. But about 10 days of training, three days of recovery, and then come back to, to some higher um, intensity. You know, that's a, that's a couple weeks there to deploy this active heat training protocol. Okay. Now, if you're talking about tacking in a race at that time period, the, the complication here is that the, that 10 day heat acclimation time period, that's going to play up in the, in the keeping the quality of training going. So that's why this may not be the best way to do it for people looking for, uh, that goal time period. So now let's talk about passive heat training, because this is something that I'll use with a lot of my athletes. Um, and I use this in conjunction with keeping the quality in the training sessions. All right. So passive heat training, again, we're talking about sitting in or, you know, laying eh, generally sitting, I, I would advise sitting, uh, in hot environments to like really hot environments to stimulate the stress needed on the, on the system. First one you can use is sauna. Uh, and in Dr. Stacy Sims has been a leading expert in this area for many years. I've learned pretty much everything from her in, in this way. She actually used to be an advisor to CTS. And I remember we would have lunches where we just, we literally sit around in a circle in the, in the strength and conditioning room. We'd have uh, our lunches there, brown bag lunches with Dr. Stacy Sims. And we were talking about a lot, a lot of this sauna protocol at the time. It's probably 10 years ago or so. And she's refined the process, um, over those years, but the, the, the nuts and bolts remain the same. Okay. So some of this refining I'll, I'll go through it, I'm just stealing her stuff. Um, uh, but I think she's, she's cool with it. She's a, she's a good friend of mine. And, um, so anyway, what, what you want to do is to start a sauna, uh, training protocol after your normal training session. So whatever coach prescribes or whatever program you're following, what you can do is after that, nor that training session, head into the sauna, a little dehydrated. Start with about 10 to 15 minute exposure in there. Just kind of see how you can tolerate. Again, get the feedback from your body. Be aware. Don't just go hit your, you know, stopwatch and go the full 15 minutes because you heard it on the Time Crunch Cyclist podcast, right? And even though you're on death's doorstep, listen to your body. Okay. That's the, that's the warning here. And what you want to do is you want to build up to 25, 30 minute sessions. Okay. And build that up over a few days. Now, this combination of being a little dehydrated and kind of like low on glycogen before you head into the sauna in combination with the heat stress, it causes it, like a lot of physiological responses that are more complicated than I want to talk about on this podcast, but that gets your body started in the right direction for all these like signalings and, and hormone um, aspects to adapt to a hot or hot and humid environment. 
Okay. So you're using training in a little low dehydration stimulus in combination with a really hot environment to, to get that done. Uh, how hot should the sauna be? Hot. I think 120 plus. You want to do this sauna training protocol for men six or seven days in a row before you get fully acclimated. Women, women need a little bit longer. And I'm going to link to an article on this where Dr. Stacy Sims goes into the full details about this, but it's actually something that, you know, if our uh, female listeners are um, tuning into this, go longer. That's, that's the general messaging. And the reason is how the body how the body is made, how the body works and the menstruation cycle throughout the month, because you've got high hormone time periods and low hormone time periods. And I'll talk about how that can change the the sauna protocol as well. But in short, you need at least nine days or 10 days in total sessions where you're getting those heat exposures uh, versus men, where it seems like depending on again, who you're listening to and the research you're reading, but five to seven days for men. Again, the whole goal is to simulate a hot environment to stress your body. <laughs> but, but again, you don't want to induce a heat illness. Okay, keep that in mind. And once you're heat acclimated, you want to give your body some of that time to recover. So again, once say it's a, it's a female and we're using a sauna protocol, you're going to do your normal training 10 days in a row, jump in the sauna afterwards, build up to 30 minutes per session. Then you come out, you want to rehydrate afterwards, obviously, but then give yourself three, four days recovery where you're not doing this heat training and probably like a easier training dosage before you go on into hard taper like um sort of situation leading into that main event so we want to be doing all this you know heat training stuff a couple weeks out from our main competition and then what we want to do is maintain some of these heat acclimation um properties and you can do that by simply doing a sauna protocol like every other day or riding your zone two day in the heat and then doing your high quality session in the cooler part of the day also one one quick bit um coming again from dr stacy sims on the the women's hormonal difference and I already kind of talked about this, but this pertains especially to the passive training. Um, one thing that she advises is using a primer method for a woman who's in her low hormone phase. And that primer method is basically you, you end your normal training session. You go into the sauna for five to 10 minutes. Then you come out for five to 10 minutes, kind of let your body kind of slip off a little bit. And then you go back in for the full 20 to 30 minutes. And again, I'll link to this article and she talks about specifically why this is. But essentially when women are in that low hormone period, the core temperature is all is a lower. And so using that primer method um, gets the core temperature to where it needs to be in order to have to get the full effect of that kind of sauna heat stressful environment. If an athlete's in their high hormone phase already, their core temperature is elevated to the point where they don't need to use that primer method. So again, just a kind of a a women's specific technique to use when you're using uh, sauna training protocols. All right. So we already talked about like when to do this. I've gave some pretty general um, guidelines here. 
I think that what you need to do for yourself is to lay it up a little bit more specifically with your training leading with your training goals leading into that main event. I would, depending on men and women, I'd start two to three weeks out. And then what you want to do is go the full six to 10 days, depending on kind of that time period that you need. Give yourself, I'd say at least three to four days to recover. Stacy actually recommends five to seven days to recover with no um, heat exposure. I know some coaches may shorten that uh, a little bit depending on what they're doing. But in general, think of think of the heat stress as also like a hard training block. You want to recover from that before you go into a main event. Then what you want to do is give yourself um, kind of some spaced out, maybe every other day um, exposures to the heat in order to keep and maintain the benefits of heat acclimation. Now, finally, I'll, th I'll throw this in there. And this is a fun one that I've used for only a couple of my athletes and it's, it's worked. Um, but it, some of it, it's a little, little new. Um, you could argue that it's not because the Romans have been taking hot steam baths and hot baths for some time. But, uh, Asker's Jukenrup came out with, um, a discussion and cited a study where men and women using hot bath protocol to get the job done for heat acc acclimation. Uh, so what it looks like is very, very similar to the sauna training protocol where athletes go do their normal training, but then they come back and they take a hot bath. And this is, this is like pretty darn hot, hot tub, sort of hot, 105 degree Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius. And again, you want to do that six to 10 days in a row to get the full heat, uh, acclimation adaptations for women. Again, you go longer about 10 days. For men, we can do about six or seven is what I would do and do your normal, um, training. Like I said, jump in the hot bath gently and start with 15, 20 minutes, build up to kind of that 30 ish minutes uh, longer, the better. And generally the longer that you can kind of expose yourself to that heat, that's pretty good. I, I would keep it under an hour. And then once you get back out, remember to rehydrate, um, electrolytes, water, all the things, give your body what it needs to recover from that heat stress in particular. All right. Well, in summary, Ken, I'll swing it back to you. Um, uh, yeah, you want to definitely prepare for, uh, master's nats in Augusta, and you can do that through active or passive training. I would start this probably two to three weeks out. Um, and, and depending on how your uh, training actually, you know, lays up to that, but two to three weeks out and just make sure that you expose yourself to some heat in the way that we mentioned. And, um, and then you can go into your taper mode just fine into your main event. So, uh, also as a general summary, that heat acclimation involves stressing your body specifically to the heat in order to get the full adaptations that you want to perform best in those human environments. The desired adaptations include increased plasma volume expansion, lower rate of perceived effort at all efforts in the heat, lower core temperature during exercise, and earlier onsite of sweating, which cools the body uh, more quickly and efficiently. Men and women are different. So men's timeline is generally shorter uh, to get the full effects of heat acclimation, generally like six or seven days. Women should aim for nine to 10 days to get that full heat acclimation um, uh, adaptations. 
And depending on where women are at in their menstruation cycle, they need to use the primer method if they're using a sauna or hot bath protocol to get the job done. All right. Well, uh, that is a pretty good summary, I think, on everything uh, heat acclimation. I've got some pretty good articles and resources from both Dr. Stacy Sims, uh, Asker Zhukenrup, as well as just some um, some other articles that I use to prepare the content here. And also, I, you know, I threw in splashes of what I use in my own uh, uh, practice for coaching and training. So I hope every, everybody got something out of that today. Uh, if you have any, you know, specific questions on that too, you can, uh, submit some follow-up questions on it. And, uh, yeah, this, this is a great topic, something that I think is really applicable to many athletes racing around the globe. So, uh, again, thanks for tuning in to the time crunch cyclist podcast and uh, don't forget to train hard, train smart. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.